the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work. Empowering you to better understand and deliver a best-in-class, future-proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, I'm John Holland, and welcome to the Talent Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Lori Rudiman. Lori is a former human resources leader turned writer, entrepreneur, and speaker. CNN has recognized her as one of the top five career advisors in the United States, and her work has been featured on National Public Radio, The New Yorker, USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, and Vox. Her podcast, Punk Rock HR, which I think is a one of the greatest titles ever, for a blog or like a podcast, is one of the fastest growing management and business podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pandora. Lori keynotes events all around the world and is featured on major media websites where she shares wisdom about HR, hiring trends, and technology. Her book, Betting on You, How to Put Yourself First and Finally, Take Control of Your Career, was published by Henry Holton Company in January of this year. I have it on my desk and it is well worth reading. And Lori lives with her husband and many cats in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I know that's a beautiful place to live. So Lori, how are you? Well, John, I'm terrific. That intro was way too long. It reminds me to cut it back. We're like five minutes in. I'm such a narcissist, but no, it's great sorry. to be here. But you know, it, it's always good to let people know who it is who is on. So I and. And I, I never know what are the most important things. So I try to, to get them in. So, okay. Well, you did a good job. Great. Well, let's get started then. I was looking at your book, which is here on my desk and preparing for our talk. And the one thing I had not read were the quotes on the back cover by all these New York Times bestselling authors praising it. Mm. And one that jumped out at me was from Susie Welch, the widow of Jack Welch, the longtime General Electric CEO. And she said that you had written a helpful and entertaining account of what it's like to run your life like a business. And that quote intrigued me because it made me wonder, how can you run your professional life like a business when you work for somebody else? Well, John, I want to say that Susie Welsh is esteemed in her own right, regardless of who her husband is. She was on CNBC for many years. And I tell this story with my book that I had reached out to Susie because I've learned so much from her throughout the years, from her reporting and her storytelling, and I considered her to be a de facto mentor. No matter where I worked, in what organization, I always looked to Susie Welsh on how to tell a story, how to carry herself. And so I reached out to her on LinkedIn and said, I want to include you in my book and talk about you and how I consider you to be a mentor, no matter whether I worked in HR or marketing or as a consultant. And she wrote back and said, I'd love to see the book and then volunteered to endorse it. And so I think that's a small example of how if I had just run my life like a corporate human resources manager, I would have never taken a risk. I would have never bet on myself. I would have never reached out. So I tell people, no matter who you are, where you fall on the food chain, if someone inspires you, if they motivate you to do better work reach out and let them know. You never know where it's going to help you and where your career will land because of it. So I think that's like a weird encapsulation of what it's like 
to run your life like a business. You take ownership, you move when you're moved, and you say hello to people who inspire you. Well, you know, it's funny. I know Susie Welch from when she was at the Harvard Business Review. She was, I think, the top editor there. Yeah, for um, many years. Yeah, for like for like a lot of years, which is a really great job and hard to do and a prestigious uh, magazine and uh, and website. But, you know, getting beyond her, what can managers and bosses do to encourage and help their employees run their professional life like a like a business? And how has the pandemic lockdown and the chaos of the last two years impacted the ability of people to manage their life in that way? Mm, Good questions. Well, you know, John, I think for a lot of years, CEOs had this understanding of their role that they were going to be the papa figure of a company, a motivational figure. And I'm using the he pronoun intentionally. And it was their job to motivate people and to inspire people. Every CEO I knew for about 15 years wanted to be the next Steve Jobs. And I think when you do that, when you assume that you're a parental figure and you have wisdom to impart, number one, it's condescending. And number two, it's inaccurate. I mean, we hire people because they have competence, because they come to work and want to work hard and have a work ethic, and because they're steadfast, and because at some core of their life, they used to at least believe in well-being. They would get up in the morning and take care of themselves. And we've gotten away from that over the years, John, when we believe that a CEO has to kind of knit all of this together and be that leadership figure. And so some of the best leaders I know, they're not leading into servant leadership, but they're certainly saying, I'm here to you know, part the ways and to make your lives easier, but you're an adult, do your dang job. And when I see that in a leader, I just want to hug them. I just want to high five them, like let people be adults and, you know, give people what they need to be adults. And gosh, John, that is like a radical way of leadership going forward. But it kind of reminds me of the leadership that my father-in-law had back in the day at the old food company, right? You know, you believed people were adults and you hired them to do a job and you let them have lives outside of work. Isn't that refreshing? That's refreshing. Also hard to find in a lot of places. Yeah, it doesn't happen anymore, especially when people want to be Silicon Valley gurus. Yeah. Well, I was also intrigued by something else I saw on your website under important questions that asked, why is the employee experience undervalued? Mm. And it's a great question. How do you answer it? I don't have a straightforward answer. I think the employee experience is undervalued because we tend to put customers on top of employees in this weird pyramid. But at the heart of smart business is this understanding that how we treat employees translates to the customer experience. And so, you know, Fuel50 believes in this. A lot of organizations believe in this. If you can get your employees really excited about the work that they're doing, if you can give them budget, opportunity, room to grow, the ability to make mistakes without a fear of failure, you can create the environment for a great customer experience. And so I want to get to the heart of that, really teaching people how to take risks, but smart risks at work so that they can come out ahead. And if they screw up, it's not going to wipe the entire organization out. Well, you know, it's funny because the uh, employee experience, and we deal with that a lot at Fuel at Fuel 50, but the employee experience now has kind of changed a great deal where it also speaks to companies and organizations um, doing things 
to better utilize employees and to be thinking about their career path and how they might help like the organization and how what they want to do and what the organization wants to do work together and maybe more coordination is better. And it's been something that's been a real change for me because as somebody who worked and managed for, for many years, things like secession planning were things people talked about on the job. I had bosses talk like about them, but they almost never, ever followed them. Um, and so to hear all of this coming up now, it's like, yeah. wow, finally, mm-hmm. they're finally starting to think about this. Um, have you experienced some of that in, in the things that you're seeing and, and hearing from what people? Yeah, you know, COVID is really pushing a conversation around how we treat people when we have them and how we develop them and how we maturely respond when they want to do something else and exit. It doesn't mean they're dead to us if down the road they want to go back to nursing school or open up a yoga studio. It means working with people in the time we have and really maximizing their potential, maximizing their contributions. And then you know, make, making sure they understand that if they want to stay and they're great performers, there's a place for them within the organization. We're going to make both a physical and an emotional commitment to them to make sure that they can enjoy their work and contribute in a safe and interesting and viable way. So the conversation is flipped. It's much more human. And I know that's an overstated word, but, you know, we, we had this idea of workers almost as robots for many years, right? We were going to optimize the hours worked and make them more productive. And now we recognize that if we just kind of get to the core of who they are and what they want in this world, the productivity will follow. Yeah, that's a real, uh, that's, that's something that on one level sounds simple, but so many companies haven't focused on it. And now it's, it's kind of refreshing to see that they are, they are, they are doing it. And I'm sure some of it comes out of the last two years, which, as you know, have mm-hmm. been just terribly chaotic for people in just about every way possible. And That's it's right. hard on how people work and hard on how managers handle people who work. As someone who closely watches workplace trends, what are some good trends that you've seen come out of the lockdown and pandemic? Well, you know, John, a terrible trend was all of the women leaving the workforce. But a great trend is this conversation we're starting to have around childcare and how it's not just a woman's issue. It's an issue that's impacting our economy. We talk about all these people who have just decided to stay home as if they're at home drinking martinis and eating bonbons. Many of these individuals who are women who are doing the math and are saying, you know, childcare is not affordable and it's very sparse and net net. I'm just going to stay home and we're going to cut back on our spending and make do. So there's this interesting conversation happening. It's stifling economic growth. It's, you know, stifling, uh, you know, talent gains. You can't go into a, a restaurant and find people to work, right? I mean, all of these challenges are happening, but I love the conversation happening around really addressing childcare. So I think that's something positive. And I'm looking for some real creativity, especially in the HR tech market to emerge from that. So we'll see. We'll see in the next couple of years. Well, you know, too, one of the things I've seen studies that have uh, dug into this that say when people work remotely, when they work at home or they work someplace else outside a traditional office environment, they tend to work hard, harder, harder, yeah. longer, 
And That's part of that is because when you work from home, you never leave work. Um, <laughs> yes. And you know, people can hop on and off. And I've mm. worked remotely for over 10 years now. And I had to teach myself that I could go to the gym in the middle of the day and come back and I work late. And in fact, I tell people that like I work with, hey, don't worry about sending me, you know, a, a Slack message or an email at nine o'clock at night, my time, because I know it's only like four in the afternoon, your time. Um, and, and, and so, you know, you just sort of morph and adapt to that. Yeah, um, right. But I had a lot of bosses for a lot of years that absolutely wouldn't let you work at home because they thought that you'd be down there eating the bonbons and drinking <laughs> the margaritas and, and doing, doing that That's right. and, not, That's right. and not working. Unless they had a line of sight, they were not, they were not happy. Well, you know, and a lot of women are like, you can take that job and shove it. And also I can't work from home with my kids in my ear all the time. So I'm going to leave the workforce and, and actually do a full-time job of raising my children. And I think there's a real reckoning to be had even further still beyond remote work of what do we do if we believe in family structures and we believe that children do better in a two-parent environment how are we going to support these parents so that they can raise the doctors of the future, the, the project managers of the future, right? The coders of the future. And I think that thinking about our future talent pool starts with thinking about childcare. Well, you know, the number one thing that I found that I miss about an office, and I've worked in one much longer than I have worked at home, but the one thing that I miss is the camaraderie and the informal conversations that you have yeah. in a in a workplace you're getting coffee somebody's there that you're yakking and suddenly something that you've been working on or some problem you've been trying to solve hits you and it's like you start talking to them about it and you find some way to solve it so i worry about sort of like the cultural part how do you build a workplace culture if a lot of people aren't working around each other that's that's the big struggle i think that a lot of organizations just have a hard time getting like their hands around. Really? I think you're romanticizing that because I remember working <laughs> in an office and people bugging me all day long and popping in my office without an appointment because I worked in human resources, right? Uh -huh. and do you have a minute? And oh, you know, you're walking to the bathroom. I'll walk with you. I'm like, you do not want to walk with me going to the bathroom. That is not a good idea, <laughs> right? So there was a lot of that going on and also a lot of travel for me. So a lot of wasted time in airports where I'm flipping through Us Weekly magazine because I'm just so tired. I don't want to do any work, a lot of wasted hours, loneliness on the road, missing my family. So in a lot of ways, I think some of this is romanticized. And, you know, there's this idea that we can only have camaraderie if we're around these people. Oh, I don't believe that. I believe we can like people that we've never met in real life. I think, you know, Zoom has proven that. And I also think there's something really beautiful about being able to work more efficiently and then having more time for a big, bold, beautiful life that we can then bring back into the office and be in better moods, have better stories, have more life experiences to draw from when we're solving problems. So I get it. You know, it's nice to kind of bump into someone and make chit chat, but it's also nice to have more focus time. And that's what I love about working from home. Well, you know, uh, I had... Um... When I started to work from home, my kids were worried about bothering me when they came into, you know, if they needed to talk to me, I was behind a closed door. I was in like an office here at home. And I had to tell them in the workplace, people are popping in all the time, whether it be your cube or 
your office. And I was in a role as kind of a senior manager. So I had to train myself. Yes, they're, they're getting in the way of me doing some work, but maybe what they have to tell me or to talk about is more important. And I need to spend some time on that. For, for sure. Your children yeah. never bother you unless they're asking for money. I think yeah. that's the rule. <laughs> so, well, you know, finally, there is a question we ask everybody who comes on the Talent Experience podcast, because we wholeheartedly believe that everyone should have a job that they're really passionate about. So Lori, what do you love about your job and what you do? Mm, I love the autonomy of my job. You know, being a solo entrepreneur is really beautiful because at the beginning of the day, I know that what's laid out in front of me is a choice. I mean, there are choices based on, you know, the economy and how much money I need to earn or what I want to do in the world, but it's still my choice. And that's something I wish more and more people could experience because I think their relationship to work would be a little bit different when you choose the work you do and you're responsible for bringing in income. It really changes the nature of your experience throughout your entire life. So it's something I've grown to appreciate. It was something very challenging moving from corporate America to being a consultant and an entrepreneur, but I'm glad I did it. And I don't know if I could go back, John. Well, that's a good way to to end things here. Um, and, you know, I miss us not meeting on the road at a conference, having a margarita. Yes. And I miss keep that. hoping that will that will come back at, at sometime soon. And I, I, I've, I love your book, too. Betting on you how to put yourself first and finally take control of your career is pretty good. And uh, I hope a lot of people will go. So seek it out and they can find it on Amazon, I'm sure. And lo- yeah, local the- bookstores are good as well. And I'll take that endorsement. It's pretty good. It's on your book, on your bookshelf, on your desk, John. I'll yeah, take that. Books, That's like three I'm and a half, really, four really, stars. yeah, books I'm really, really interested in are front and center on, on my desk. So you're there along with about 16 Peter Drucker books. So, um, very good company. Yeah, anyway, nice. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Your perspective is always incredibly insightful, and we really appreciate you you being here. So, thanks again. Thanks again, and be safe out there. Okay, so for the pa- Talent Experience Podcast, this is John Holland. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentXPodcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag Talent Experience Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The Talent Experience Podcast was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel50.